Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to a Cinematic Universe mini-sode. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me to bridge the gap between our Black Panther and Superman 3 episodes is... Seb Patrick. That's a Seb, it's just me and you this week, but it hey... Is. That, James, that... James has been uh, has been barred from the podcast um, after <laughs> the angry pitchfork mob that we got after your criticism of Bucky in the Black Panther <laughs> episode. Um, I maintain that that criticism was legitimate and deserved. I can only speak for every single woman I know who likes the MCU, and I don't even just mean on the internet. I mean, like, my mum and my wife, who all go, oh, yay, Bucky, whenever Bucky turns up. So you've got them to answer to. Listen, and me. very attractive man. I appreciate that he means a lot to Steve Rogers. Um, his dour face means absolutely nothing to me. And get a haircut, you hippie. Well, he's been he's been asleep in a tent for six months, hasn't he's, he? So. He's, he's been asleep in his last three performances, Seb. Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> okay, um, so should we dive straight into the news? Let's, yes. Right, um, let's start off with Black Panther, because the Black Panther box office, we kind of referred to this when we were recording <laughs> the episode. Um, ooh, I think, who mama, is the phrase to describe... Uh, the Black Panther box office. Yeah, it's- so this is this is insane. Um, it has, throughout its first 10 days, crossed $400 million in the North American box office. That includes a $108 million second weekend, um, which is the second biggest ever second weekend, only trailing The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens obviously being the highest grossing movie ever at the North American box office. Um <laughs> To add to that 400 million, it has another 300 million internationally. Um, it hasn't opened in China yet. Um, this is a monster, and that is more, you know, after after 10 days, that is more than any other Marvel movie. It is past the Avengers. Now, I think the question will be, in terms of, like, the, the ceiling for this movie, uh, can it outgross the Avengers? And then will it end up being the highest grossing movie of 2018 for Marvel? I, I, I posited this question on Twitter earlier after seeing the the stat that now, this, this was a tweet from about five hours ago as, as we record this on Sunday night that said that uh, it had passed Guardians 2. It was only about 8 million short of, this is domestic, uh, 8 million short of Civil War, 9 million short of Iron Man 3. Um, 
So, you know, it, it's almost certainly going to be at least the third highest. It will almost certainly top Age of Ultron as well. So I posited the question of, you know, could it be the case that this ends up actually making more than Infinity War? Or will it be the case that uh, Infinity War will just make even more than it was going to be for? I, and several people replied saying they think it's the latter. I agree. I'm not sure this is going to necessarily crack the billion um, because I think it is one where the gross... I mean, it's done really well over here, but I do think the gross is skewed a bit more towards that that um, domestic US market. That That was also the case for The Force Awakens, though, and Star Wars mm. is... Um, a franchise that you know is well you'd, you'd think until Black Panther turned up uh, like pretty untoppable outside of the North American box office but it made more than a billion but Star, I just mean, in Star, North America Star Wars does have that kind of what I think the thing with, with Black Panther this is I'm, I'm aware that we're, we're going to start repeating things that I know you guys talked about on, on the main episode anyway but what's particularly striking with this and what's particularly relevant to why it's making so much is people going back and seeing it again and again and again. And the film is so heavily rooted around, as well as, you know, kind of experience of of African culture and and people, it's very rooted in African-American. And so, you know, it does have that quite US-centric slant to how it looks at Mm. things outside of Wakanda. Uh, And, you know, so that is why I think it's resonating even more there. Um, And so... I think that you know that worldwide is still going to be strong, but is it going to have the people are just going to go and keep on seeing it the way that I think they will continue to in America? Well, if it um, if it makes the money that Avengers did in North America, which at the moment it's outpacing, it will make let's say six hundred to six hundred and fifty mil in North America. It's already at three hundred worldwide, so I, yeah, I think so. It could, yeah, it could, it, it could well crack the billion. Um, I think, I think we're talking. Be, surprised if it did, but I think we're talking about one point two, one point three mm. is my but I guess. Think, I think Infinity War is going to top that, and the reason Me Infinity too. War is going to top that is because of Black Panther. Uh, yeah, you know, we already knew that Infinity War. You, be, before we even saw a trailer for Infinity War, it was like, well, that's easily going to make a billion. Um, after we saw the trailer. It was like, okay, this is this could be the highest grossing thing like mm. ever, um, and that was before you brought you brought in this additional audience because genuinely there are so many people who've gone to see Black Panther as their first MCU film, and that is the first time that will have happened in such large numbers, yeah. pretty much since yeah. the franchise kicked off, since the first Avengers film, essentially, because the first Avengers film did bring in a lot of people well, who hadn't watched the ones leading up to it. Here's the flip. So I, I think it's the first one since... I think it's the first one since the Avengers. And yeah. you look you look what happened with the Avengers box office, which the Avengers made 1.5 bill worldwide, and mm. then its biggest solo star... Um, Iron Man, Iron yeah. Man three, then made one point two billion. It had just that knock on effect from Avengers of people who went to see Avengers going yeah. to see Iron Man, and that Man was 3. something. I think that was something like double what Iron Man two made. So you know, it did make a big mm. bump. And yeah, I think you know when you rewatch those trailers, you see Wakanda, you <laughs> see Black Panther it is to everything. Yeah, yeah, you see. I mean, because now when he walks out and says, "Someone get this man a shield," <laughs> you're like. Oh, 
but I know that guy. And like, there's the shot where you see Mbaku in the background and you're like, oh, that guy's back. That's, I think that's going to have a knock-on it effect. It already kind of was for me because you know my feelings about Steve Rogers, but it makes that shot in the trailer of all those characters running towards the camera the best shot of the trailer because all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, it's Captain America and the Hulk and Black Widow and Bucky, for those who like him. <laughs> And all of these guys you absolutely loved who were amazing in Black Panther. So yeah. it's, you know, all of a sudden that has become, like, the, possibly the most interesting corner of the MCU immediately. Yeah. Uh, and that's phenomenal. And, you know, I, I haven't really... People who follow me on Twitter will see, you know, because I wasn't on the episode, I haven't talked about my opinions of the film. I don't think it's a perfect film. I don't know exactly where it sits in my ranking. I think it's just outside the top five. It's maybe kind of hovering around sixth or seventh. But the thing more than anything else that I loved about it was those supporting characters and that world. And, you know, like everyone, I just want to see more of that immediately. And that is going to have that boost to Infinity War. I think we are looking at Infinity War. Could it head towards two, even? I mean, is that a ridiculous prediction to make? Um, I mean, I I think it it is going to make silly money. Um, I I said this on a few podcasts ago, didn't I? I think that Infinity War ends up being the highest grossing Marvel movie, at least at least up to the end mm. of phase four because uh, phase three because who knows what comes after that but i just feel like there will be some drop off for what whatever infinity yeah, war part two ends yeah. up being and this coming off the back of black panther having that bump because you, you've got to think you're you're an audience member who's just gone to see black panther and you're like maybe you've never seen a marvel movie before but you're like yeah. this guy's awesome this world is awesome these characters are great and just as it's leaving theaters what's showing up oh hey it's a new movie <laughs> with black panther in it <laughs> Yeah, Black Panther and several of the other characters in it as well. Yeah, um, so yeah, I'm I'm predicting. I don't know. Let's say uh, 1.8 worldwide yeah. for for Infinity War. That's that's I what I'm going for right now. Not an unreasonable expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Was that so, put it? I'm 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 not I'm not off the top of my head. Ofay with where what the current number one is where like how much did avatar make over i assume avatar oh, is still the number one i think avatar made like 3.4 row right okay worldwide <laughs> yeah let's so, let's, so force awakens didn't top avatar nothing will ever top avatar will it because well until uh, james until james cameron makes another movie we that's i <laughs> know uh, sorry but um avatar made 2.7 worldwide and right. i think i think maybe uh titanic oh, yeah, was like what yeah. 1.8 before that so yeah um I just I I I don't but, think. But we could be looking at a solid third place ahead of Star Wars. Oh, even I think even one point eight. No, Star Wars. Star Wars did make two. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I think I think could, could nestle in behind Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah possibly. Um, I'm looking forward quite a lot to that movie. <laughs> it's just. I mean, I think we've said it after the trailer, but it's like I mean, God, just just imagine if it somehow turned out not to be <laughs> I mean it won't it can't it's just it's just ridiculous but it, it's just you know the the excitement level that we had for the first avengers film feels like nothing compared to this i it's ridiculous i don't think we're going to be in any way prepared for it i think towards the um i mean towards the back end of last year i was just like i can't i can't be excited for 
Infinity War because of course it's going to be bad. And then we saw the footage and then we saw Black Panther and I'm like, yes, I'm hyped. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So um, that was the Black Panther box office and um, we'll move on now over to DC where... <laughs> As usual. Yeah. You just want something positive to come out at this point, don't you? Like, just just some, like... I I love that the Black Panther thing is is going on just as Justice League um, starts to... Has it had a home release in the US, maybe? Because I've seen people talking about it all of a sudden. People have been watching it. Or is it had is it had its home release here uh, now? I don't know, Seb. I don't care unless well, they release anyway, the Snyder cuts. It started uh... to have home releases, <laughs> and so all of a sudden, everyone's talking about the mustache again, to the yeah. exclusion of anything else about Justice League. <laughs> <sighs> well, and and I think the, the how how we'll now tie this into the latest piece of news from the um, DC <laughs> universe um, from a. PR point of view. I'm not sure anyone has ever made a more catastrophic career decision than Joss Whedon agreeing to step in and direct Justice League. Because, I mean, like, it was obviously a thankless task that he was... Whatever he did to that movie, it was going to end up as some weird Frankenstein or not have any of his imprint on it whatsoever. Um, The DC fans hated it. Like, uh, you know, you you got your early defenders going, oh, no, you're just criticising DC movies again. But pretty soon that kind of morphed into a, no, it is bad because Joss Whedon took Zack's vision and perverted it. So now Joss Whedon seems to have this really weird, toxic relationship from, well, toxic relationship with the toxic fanboys online. Um, but there's also this, I think, as well, this uncomfortableness with Marvel. Like, it felt really weird seeing him in that 10 years photo of the MCU. Um, yeah. You kind of forgot that he's he's part of that as well. Yeah. yeah. But then, and then in the background was still this that, you know, we spoke about this a while, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, so apparently, do you remember that Joss Whedon's still attached to a, to a Batgirl movie? Um, <laughs> but now he's not. No. Um... What did you think of his statement, Seb? Did you read it? I don't think I read the statement, actually, no, because I um, I think while the news broke was when I was watching Black Panther, and so I was messaging James about Black Panther, and he said something like, oh, lol, at the Joss Whedon news. And I was like, oh, God, what? <laughs> so that was that was where I heard well, let me, so I let me deliver, Well, the... let me deliver the statement to you. Batgirl is such an exciting project, and Warner's DC such collaborative and supportive partners that it took me months to realise I didn't have a story. I'm grateful to Jeff and Toby and everyone who was so welcome when I arrived and so understanding when I, uh, is there a sexier word for failed? So, yeah. Uh, and I, I've seen Whedon getting absolutely hammered for this online. And I think, obviously, his uh, feminist credentials have taken <laughs> a bit of a hit over the past bit. year yeah. as well. Um, and I saw a, a lot of, you know, comic book writers as well who, you know, had worked on Batgirl titles in the past saying, hey, guess, do you know who's got stories? We've got stories. Yeah. And I think, obviously, it, it, there is a slight perversion of Whedon's words there, which which is, I think, him basically saying, look, I really wanted to make a Batgirl movie happen. I went and started working on the script, and after trying to work in it, I realised I I wasn't the guy to do it. Um, 
But, I mean, like, talk about a guy digging his own grave with that statement. <laughs> Didn't have a story. Why would he come out and admit that? Because, yeah, it just makes... And yeah. why would DC sign off on that statement? Which is them basically saying, yeah, we essentially greenlit a project based on Joss Whedon <laughs> saying, I want to do Batgirl. And not, here's my idea for, for how to do it. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, if, if that's the case, if you're talking about, like, a commitment to this DCEU... I mean, Joss Whedon coming in and saying, I want to do Batgirl, and then and then not saying, well, let's figure out how that can fit in the DCU first. They're going, no, yeah, that's fine. We'll announce that. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> mm. Anyway, we've got my man, uh, Aquaman, coming up later in 2018, and then I think... You almost sh- wonder if like they might just sit on that and not actually release it. <laughs> just do a, new, um, do a new Mutants. Well, just because where does that sit now because they have no plan for anything else there is no roadmap here at all um and even if there was one what happened with justice league is going to have to cause them to really reconsider i've so, given i've given up trying to figure it out i don't think we can figure it out until we know what's happening with the batman movie because i think that's kind of like the pivotal one there because if affleck comes back i think you trudge miserably through this extended universe until it literally becomes financially unviable. Um, but if not, there's maybe a fresh start and some creative impetus to do something different. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, we know we've, we know we've got Aquaman Seb. We know we've got Shazam, which has been confirmed as being in the DCEU. And I think at this point, it, although it's had one of the most tortured processes, DC seemed very keen to get that Flash movie made. Um they're certainly not cutting ties with with this whole <laughs> no. extended universe idea, but I think it might be, you know, how do we mangle it into something that looks slightly different? They, um, the thing with the thing I think with Batgirl as well is that I mean, you know, it seems like the reason they decided to make this was Joss Whedon coming to them and saying that he wanted to do it. I don't know if they're going to proceed with it as a project now, because I've seen a lot of people online going, oh, you should do this with it, you should get this person in, you should get this person in. No. I'm not really sure of the point. And I I like Barbara Gordon, and I like Batgirl as a character, and Batgirl Year One, her origin comic from a few years ago, is you know one of my favourite DC comics of, of relatively recent years. But as a derivative character, is she really where you want to go in terms of doing another solo heroine film or and I'm, I'm wary as well of making this a kind of either or thing i saw the thing of people saying um after black panther oh you know sod doing a black widow movie let's do movies with all of these great female characters from black panther and it's like no it's not an either or do do all of them yeah um and i'd say the same with dc's heroines you know i'm not saying that if they want to do a different one it should be at the exclusion of batgirl i just think you're slightly on you're always slightly on the back foot with a character who's a derivative of an existing male name and DC have got plenty of female characters who aren't that. So, you know, pick up one of those and, and do something interesting with them. Yeah. I, I think if you, if you want to carry on with a Batgirl, you know, decide whether you're doing these solo movies outside of the DCU. Mm, because yeah, and the, work that, out what the hell you're doing with your, with your Batman setup as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I, I don't see currently how a Batgirl fits into our status quo with, with Batman, in a, no. in in a way that does anything other than distract anyway. No, I yeah. mean you've got you've got a Commissioner Gordon there, um, so you can you could strike her out as a relatively you could get Barbara Gordon as a relatively independent character. But mm. you know. 
Anyway, so that was DC on the big screen. Uh, we'll flip to DC on the small screen. And a show that Seb and I vowed to probably never watch was Krypton. Uh, but Krypton got its first trailer this week. Um, Seb, you didn't watch the trailer, but I did. No. And I'm going <laughs> to now know it existed. <laughs> ask, <laughs> ask you about it. Um, so uh, this was one of the... I, I kind of read what the concept of the show was about and went, huh, okay, that sounds comic book nerdy and interesting in a way that I didn't expect this show to be interesting and then watched the trailer and it was the same kind of like <laughs> sub CW acting that kind of made me go oh, no I don't I don't think I'm going to watch this um but the villain the vil- the, the villain uh, the villain is Brainiac and the okay. villain is going to be Brainiac from word go and it looks like the plot is that Brainiac has traveled back in time to try and destroy Krypton before Superman is born. But Adam Strange has also time-travelled back to work with Clark, Clark <laughs> Kent's grandfather to stop Brainiac. So That Seb, almost sounds fun. It does almost sound fun, doesn't it? And like the, the Although I would have made it Booster Gold, not Adam Strange. Well, I, so the, here's my first Especially question. Especially seeing us literally current slash recent issues of action comics have got a storyline with booster gold and superman on krypton (laughs) (laughs) well who is adam strange that's (laughs) oh this is a we're explaining concepts that you don't understand yes exactly (laughs) uh so adam strange is a guy he's the most like stereotypical 1950s retro futurist space man um he sounds great yeah He's, if you've never seen a picture of him, Google Adam Strange and look at his costume. <coughs> so, and the premise of Adam Strange is that basically he gets transported uh, by by way of a, a, a technology called a Zeta Beam um, to another planet called Ran. Uh, Ran is known for being part of the Ran-Thanagar War, Thanagar being the planet that Hawkman comes from. Um, and basically, Adam Strange... Um, is separated from Earth by this Zeta beam, um, and her, like his his wife Alana is is stuck on Earth. While he's on Ran, he becomes a hero. Um, he basically, I um, know uh, oh, I've got it wrong. No, sorry, Alana is from Ran. He, he comes to Ran. He becomes a hero um, on that planet. Falls in love with Alana. But basically, the way that a Zeta beam works is that after it's transported you, it wears off and it zaps you back. So Adam Strange is in this constant state of like every four years bouncing back between ran and earth and he can't do anything about it and on earth he's not really a hero nobody knows who he is like he kind of is a superhero but he's relatively anonymous and on ran he's like he's their superman essentially what this has to do with time travel i'm not sure i've never really thought of him as a time traveling hero hence why i would have said booster gold would be the character maybe maybe he doesn't time travel maybe he's just aware of brainiac's time travel but Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I mean, like I say, it sounds it sounds more interesting than I thought it would be. Um, oh no, earthly time traveler Adam Strange changes See, his life in the course of history. That's I mean, in the I know show they've already used. I mean, it, if you said to me, DC Comics time traveler, the places you would go are Rip Hunter and Booster Gold. Now, obviously, Rip Hunter is in use, so they wouldn't use him. Um, but I don't know why you wouldn't have it be. Booster. Well, I think case. technically there's there's still that 
Blue Beetle Booster Gold movie in development. <laughs> Possibly, I guess. maybe that's it. Maybe. I'm sure there'd still be other time travellers you could use. Seb, my, my big worry for DC, and I think it's great sometimes that you're watching these DC shows and you see all of these characters thrown in there in Legends of Tomorrow. And, you know, I watched... I watched the um, Crisis on Earth X crossover um, that the CW did recently. And, you know, they're, they're just throwing IP at the screen in a really fun way. <laughs> but I do worry that, like, you know, would Marvel have been able to create some of the hype it has for some of its more recent films if, you know, I don't know, like if Star-Lord had shown up on a crappy ABC <laughs> show in the mid 2000s or if there'd been black panther characters popping up and you know just done you know say there'd been a like a, a kind of camp naff version of killmonger on a tv show 10 years mm. ago i i i do worry that they're they're kind of diminishing their ip a bit <coughs> i agree with you but they already did this it was called smallville yeah <laughs> so and I've already think... done it once, and it it didn't harm the success of Arrow to have had a shitty Green Arrow on Smallville, did it? No, but I wonder whether it harmed the chances of having like an Arrow movie at any point. Maybe because yeah. because I, I think that there is a there is a point at which you look at some of these characters showing up and going, well, yeah, they're C and D list, and then you look at what Marvel are doing, going, well, they're making they're making their C and D list roster really pop on the big screen when they turn up. Um. So I don't, and and when you're talk, when you I don't know I I hear a character like Adam Strange and I go like who knows maybe you did want to save him to do something with because if you do something successful on the big screen then he's someone you want to use and then do you want Brainiac to be someone that if you I don't think it matters if you do it well because I think if Reverse Flash gets used in a Flash movie it will be fine. Mm. Um, also Brainiac you can you can play with different versions of Brainiac anyway so fair enough um, okay but yeah. I don't know. Alien, android, computery. There's lots of different interpretations, and you could just quite as easily say they're all different actual versions of him. So it's just funny that sometimes DC have been protective, like them kind of ripping Harley Quinn out of Arrow just as yeah. she was about to be used. <laughs> uh, but a, well, a lot of the time, they're happy for anyone and everyone to be featured. Ah, anyway, uh, let's move on to a TV show that we are very much looking forward to. This is the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, um, yes. So we were. Very excited when they cast Kin and Shipka in the titular role. Um, they've started filling out the cast, Seb. Shall we? <laughs> shall we start with Aunt Hilda and Aunt Zelda? Because yeah. I saw both of these pieces of casting and went, yes, 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 yes. I mean, I am disappointed that neither of them are Melissa Joan Hart. Well, I'm not because <laughs> I think that she will be fine turning up in like yeah. a, a guest role. At, towards the end of the first season that's fine that's absolutely fine um lucy davis as hilda most recently seen in wonder woman of course um and i was kind of like oh i really like that but then uh the second piece of casting miranda otto as zelda and i saw that and went oh good gravy that's good Uh, (laughs) miranda otto an actress who has been um like criminally underused by Hollywood since she was absolutely fantastic in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, I think she turned up in the 24 reboot the other year. Um, but yeah, Aunt Zelda, I just suddenly went, oh, yes, that, that seems to fit. 
Um, and I'm so delighted that she has gone from killing the Witch King of Angmar on <laughs> in the Lord of the Rings to actually being a witch in her own right. That's, that's so great. Mm. <laughs> Are you more excited for either of those in particular? Yeah, no, I, I don't know Miranda Otto that well kind of outside the context of Lord of the Rings. Um but yeah, I can I can see why that works as Zelda, especially as a contrast to uh Lucy Davis being Hilda, which you can you can already see the dynamic there, can't you? And you can see exactly how Lucy Davis will play that character. <laughs> I mean, Seb, obviously I don't know the Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa um comic, but what I do know is the Sabrina that I watched as a as kid on TV yeah. and um that that this reminds me of that. Mm. This reminds me of the of I could imagine got, both of those play the, these actresses I mean, playing a the, twist on those characters in the in the TV show. Yeah, you've got you've got the kind of the fun one and the stern one. And I think where I see Lucy Davis is fun one, but also the kind of the kind of ditzy one. I hate the word ditzy, and I hate what <laughs> it implies. But you know what I mean. I mean, you can you can pretty much transpose how she played Etta in Wonder Woman onto. The well-meaning, um, but you know, and yeah, sort of, you know, give her magical powers that she might misuse slightly. You know, I'm you can, thinking, you totally I'm thinking along the lines of Sarah Jessica Parker in Hocus Pocus, <laughs> which is <laughs> just another set of witches that I can remember. <laughs> yeah, um, I've I've got to say, I mean, as, as good as I think the Lucy Davis casting in particular is, it's not the one that really made me go, oh wow, okay. Um, um, I, I I'm going to <laughs> guess based on your other interests, Seb, <laughs> that Michelle Gomez being cast in the show was the one God, that moved yes. the needle for you. <laughs> so I, mean, I I didn't see a huge amount of her in Doctor Who. Like I I I think I saw Capaldi's first season uh, series. I don't know how you like to refer to them. Um, and uh, I thought it's yeah, series thought because she... seasons is the old show, so it's a handy way of differentiating when you say season ten. I mean one from 1973 rather than sure that's what I yeah. meant so I saw her in I saw her in the first Cavaldi series um and was like yeah fine I, I but I, but I know that she was very popular amongst fans of the show <laughs> yes the thing about Michelle Gomez is she doesn't really well maybe she does in other things but certainly in Doctor Who she doesn't really act because the thing about Michelle Gomez is Michelle Gomez is fucking mental. Um, and this made her absolutely perfect to play Missy, who was just deranged and hilarious, because Michelle Gomez is deranged and hilarious. Um, and reading the description of the character that she's playing, so I've got, I've got it here. Uh, Gomez will play Mary Wardell, Sabrina's favourite teacher and mentor at Baxter High. When she is possessed by the devil's handmaiden, Madam Satan, Ms. Wardell turns into a <laughs> sultry, cunning manipulator, always trying to lure Sabrina down the path of night. And that is just perfect. That is just absolutely perfect for, for Michelle Gomez. I'm already imagining just how much fun she's going to have with that. And um, then I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'd be amazed if she's not the best thing about the show. Pairing that with um, other British actors in potentially villainous roles, Richard Coyle has been cast as Father Blackwood. Um... Richard Coyle. I mean, for, I imagine for you as well, Seb. Best is still best known for <laughs> coupling from a, from a Stephen Moffat thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've never really. I don't know if I've ever got on with Richard Coyle as a drama actor. The thing about Richard Coyle was he did coupling, in which he was absolutely brilliant, and he was, you know, it helped that the character was the funniest character in the show. But a lot of that was down to his performance. He was really, really funny in that yeah. show. Yeah, um, and it, the stage seemed set for him to go on to be a really great and likeable comedy actor. And he had no interest in doing that no whatsoever. That. He pretty much distanced himself from coupling the moment it finished. And obviously he left a season early as well because he didn't want to do it anymore. So he's not in the last season. He's on so, the Isle of Lesbos, as I remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, and ever since then, he's mostly done drama. And I don't think I've ever been that interested in anything I've seen him in. I just think he's he's just a quite bland and boring drama actor so he's, he's fine i don't dislike him but i don't as i say he's never jumped out for me in anything other than coupling in which i think he was absolutely brilliant so is this going to steer him more towards something a bit more light-hearted i don't know because this is going to be a i mean i think this is going to be a horror comedy but it is i think there's going to be a lot of emphasis on the horror side of yeah it, so i was thinking the yeah. last the thing that i've liked him the most in since coupling was grabbers which was Leaning heavily yeah. <laughs> on the he- heavily on the comedy. I mean, I think seen, but yeah. I think he's fine doing the kind of the 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 kind of darker, more miserable stuff. I think he's quite good in the Pusher remake, which which is fine. Um, yeah, but I can see I can kind of see him as this like dark, twisted priest. Um, mm. I'm on board for that. Um, the the other. Uh, casting that we know from the show uh, Chance Perdomo has been cast as Ambrose Spellman um, so clearly some relation uh, and then Rosalind Walker is being played by Jazz Sinclair um, uh, two actors um, I'm unfamiliar with but it looks like from looking at Jazz Sinclair's um, IMDB she's been in um, a couple of she's been in stuff like The Vampire Diaries and she was in Paper Towns and she's going to be in the Slenderman movie that's coming out soon. <laughs> I, was, um, I was a bit worried because it said that um, Ambrose, Chance Podomo's character, was uh, Sabrina's warlock cousin from England and I thought, oh God, uh, but he is actually British, the actor, so we're not going to have we're not going to have American doing <laughs> British accent syndrome, we're going to have British person appears in American show and their accent goes kind of weird as a result syndrome. Yeah. 
Um, also, I mean, at the his top um, his top credit on IMDb <coughs> is Midsummer Murders, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, but also, you know, another actor in the long tradition of black British actor having to go to Hollywood to find work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, yeah. a, a, a slight a slight side point. Lily Reinhardt has said that. Um, as far as she knows, that it is in a, it is in a different universe to Riverdale for now, and mm. that she doesn't foresee Betty popping up on that show. Um, to that, I would say let's wait and see. But also, I'm with you, Seb, with what you or when you reference the comics being set in the '60s. Is it? Yeah, that feels like a thing that could be happening here. Mm, maybe, yeah. And that and that gives you a way to kind of be separate from Riverdale but if you need to do crossovers given there's magic those characters at the same age can interact mm. and also you can have kind of like older versions of the characters popping up yeah because what would what would Sabrina be in like her 60s oh I don't even want to try and do the maths yeah uh, Any, uh, anyway sounds about right yeah um, uh, so speaking of another TV show which is currently beefing out its cast um the Umbrella Academy, the Netflix TV show, um, which will be well known to listeners of this podcast as it was recommended on a podcast uh, about three years ago. I think <laughs> it, was, it, was pr- it was definitely one of the early ones. Yeah, it was, it was pretty early on in the show's run. Um, so far back that I can like vaguely remember what happened in it, but also can't. Um, so uh, I know it was the Gerard Way comic. Um, that uh, yeah, that, that Netflix obviously decided to take a punt on. And the cast is taking shape. We haven't talked about this on the podcast uh, up to now, um, but it it has a huge cast at this point. Um, The big one, Seb, is that Ellen Page is playing Vanya, um, who... Is it fair to say that she's the lead? I can't... Again, I'm I'm struggling to kind of... Oh, it's it's really hard to talk about without spoiling <laughs> the first book, which I presume will be the first season. Yeah, let's let's go she, with kind of. Yeah, she she plays a she <laughs> I have plays a, feeling, a significant role. Yeah, and I have a feeling if they've cast someone like Alan Page, that they might be slightly changing how it goes anyway. And make her more of an out-and-out lead. Um, Because you don't, you know, unless you're X-Men in the year 2006, you you don't cast Ellen Page in something to to not be the star, really, do you? Yeah, especially on the small screen. Um, So I'll run through some of the the other... I'm just going to compare the Wikipedia page in terms of, like... Importance of characters to um, to who's been cast. It's next to me on the shelf here. Uh, So, the monocle... Uh, also known yeah. as Sir Reginald Hargreaves. So he's been... the, the eccentric billionaire who brings them all together. Yeah. Yep, it's been played by Confior, who, as we've discussed in the past, absolutely fantastic in the, in the uh, first Thor movie as uh, Laufey. Uh, so I'm happy about that. He's he's generally a guy that shows up in stuff, and when he does, he's good in them. Um, who have we got next? We've got uh, Space Boy, Lufa Hargreaves. Now, Luther is going to be played by uh, Tom Hopper. Um, <laughs> we've got the Kraken, Diego, uh, who's been played by uh, an, actor, an actor called uh, David Castaneda. Uh, the Rumour, 
uh, who is Alison Hargreaves. That is Emmy Raver Lampman. Uh, the Seance, uh, who's Klaus Hargreaves, he's uh, is being played by Robert Sheehan. Um, so, uh, you know, relevant to the interest of this podcast, Robert Sheehan uh, obviously broke out on Misfits, which I'm sure we'll get to on this podcast at some point one day. Um, and anytime he's in something, I'm interested. Um, number five uh, is being played by Aidan Gallagher. Um, the Horror... Um, is do, 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 do. I can't see him on the IMDb, so I'll skip uh, past him. That's probably because I think the horror is the character who's already dead when the series starts. Yes, yeah, so and we've got never actually appeared in it except in flashbacks. So we just got a young version of him, and yeah. then uh, yeah, and then and then Vanya, which is Ellen Page. Um, also in the cast, Adam Godley, um, who is an actor who is one of those actors who you'll know him when you see his face. Uh, he's playing Pogo, um, and also. Mary J. Blige has signed up to be part of the show, uh, wow. coming hot off the back of an Oscar nomination. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a Netflix show that's attracting um, a cast of, I would say, probably like emerging stars and uh, and I mean, seasoned even actors. So now that you've rattled through all of those and I didn't recognise any of their names, <laughs> um, it's clear that what they'll do with, with Vanya is really centre the show around her because Ellen Page is so much more famous than anyone else who's in the show. Yeah, she and she and the other one who is I think has any kind of um bigger profile. Um and then and then aside from that it's kind of like character actors in the in the adult roles mostly. Mm. Um but yeah, it's a show that's happening and I you know it's hard not to be intrigued by because the comic's really good. The comic's really good. It is one of those, though, that's um, it's so big. It's a you know, it helps that it's, it's got someone like Gabriel Barr drawing it, and it's very centered around kind of big, ridiculous ideas. And the Umbrella Academy is the kind of comic that will throw away in a one-page gag a ridiculous, massive, over-the-top conceit that could be an entire series, and. Doing that on a Netflix budget is not really going to well, happen. I mean, a, Netf- uh, a Netflix budget is significantly bigger than the budget you're going to get on just about anywhere else other than maybe HBO. Like on on TV, it's significant. Mm. You yeah. can do, you can do it, and Netflix aren't afraid to lose money. Um, mm. so, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, at I- least at least at least it is a Netflix TV show and not a Netflix movie. Because if it was a Netflix movie, we'd already know that it was going to suck. So because <laughs> that's a kiss of death at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> eight series from although that uh, Annihilation has fantastic reviews, and that's being released straight to Netflix in this country. So yeah, but it's not. You know, it's it's not a bright or a mute in that it's Netflix's own thing. <laughs> I haven't seen mute yet. I, I I don't want to pass judgment because I'm I'm very attached to Duncan Jones and I'm. Just, I've, I've I've seen a lot of retweets of praise of it. Is all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He is a, he is one of those on Twitter, unfortunately. Um, yeah, James didn't like it. I know that. <laughs> that for James, sure. James really didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is this is coming to Netflix. I, I'd imagine later this year um, yeah. or early next year at the latest. It kind of reminds me. I, I don't know. Like it seems to me like something that um, Tim Burton would have made if it had have got onto the big screen. But yeah, because yeah, very in his wheelarch, or even 
um, that Tim Burton would have stuck his name on Henry Selick making. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think it's one to I think it's one to keep an eye on. Um, and I thought we should mention it because we hadn't already. Um, and I seem to have shut down my scripts for the podcast. Why have I done that? Why have I done that, Seb? No, I haven't. I've just hidden it in a window. Um, <laughs> and um, actually, the last thing that we're going to talk about here isn't a piece of news. It is a show that debuted this weekend, or at least the second half of the show did. Um, the Tick, Seb. Yay. We finally got to see the back half of season two. Now, well, you, I th- You've seen the back half. I've, I haven't seen the last two episodes yet. You've, you've but... nearly seen it. Um, I think I... I'd almost forgotten that this was coming and I really only uh, was made aware when I saw you tweeting about it earlier in the weekend and I was like, <laughs> oh, crap, is the tick back? I'm going to have to find some time this weekend to, but you're, um, but you're to watch that. You're a fan of Griffin Newman, so don't you follow him on Twitter and would you not have seen him talking about it for I, ages? I, <laughs> well, I, I do follow him on Twitter and I'm a big fan, but I just, uh, I don't know, it somehow, it somehow passed me by. Yeah. And... I mean, added to that, as I mentioned on Twitter today, um, Amazon's interface is such that both on Amazon Prime on my laptop and on the app on my PS4, when I logged in to Amazon Prime this weekend, the tick did not show up on my homepage, despite the fact that I had watched all of the first six episodes of the show twice on the platform. Well, on mine, on, on Fire Stick, at the moment, it is the big banner thing that they're advertising at the very top when, you've, yeah. uh, when you're on the main home screen, which I quite enjoyed. But, but get also, your shit together, Amazon. Like, Well, it's got a problem, on, and I don't know if this is just on the Fire Stick or elsewhere. So on, on the Fire Stick, when you're on a listing for a show... Um, if you scroll down, it will then have various rows the way that Netflix does. And usually one of the first things it will do is it will show other things that various actors from it star in. And they've messed up because it shows stuff that the cast of the 2000s Tick series have appeared Ugh. in. And the description in of, of the show is the description of the 2000s show. And it's like, if this wasn't Netflix, if this wasn't Amazon's own show, that would... It would still be a mistake, but it would be an understandable one. This is Amazon's own show. One of their, like, yeah. you know, their. T- it's not even a, um, an original. You know, it's a, it's an Amazon in this country that was on a network in the US. It is an Amazon show, one hundred percent, and they've listed it wrongly as a different show on well, their own presu- platform. Pres- presumably, what's happened there is there is a glitch yeah. on that app, and it has taken the description from one show and popped into another. Because I did see that they now have uh, the original Tick sitcom available they do, they to watch free on Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah, which if anyone hasn't, go back and watch it. It's um, it's really entertaining, and it's so brief that you can kind of like whip through it. Most of the episodes are self contained. It's a heap of fun. Um, but it's not as good as the new tick, um, which is really, really fantastic. And, um, I still think it was a mistake not to release this in one big batch last year. Um, I, you can't- I, de- I decided to go back and watch the first six episodes again before I watch these new six to kind of re-familiarize myself. You can see the split, I think. I think the first half of the season is about one thing and the second half is about something else, at least. So, you know. 
I just think it was a it was a it was a weird gap. The fanfare for this return was not as big as or, or, mm. obviously it didn't get on my radar. But I I thought it should. It wasn't at the level that the fanfare was when the show first arrived. Um, and I think while there is a defined split, I think I could have. I could have just gone from part one of the season to part two. I think mm. the split is basically that part one of the season is a lot of um, world and character building um, and kind of setting a platform of a character accepting the call and then the second half of the season, the character being, okay, I'm a superhero now. Mm. Um, I might, I, I might not really know how to do it yet, but I am a superhero now. Um, and I think for me, the most impressive thing about the show is that while it is funny and it is uh, poking fun at certain tropes or archetypes that you get in superhero uh, movies and TV, that the world it builds itself is one that I still I, I take seriously and I'm invested in and it, mm. it feels like it has stakes um there is you know as as we found it in the first half of the season there is a giant naked man walking around the world and while that is utterly ridiculous and is a hilarious visual it feels like it has stakes for the world that i'm watching and that's because i really care about the characters in it mm. and they all have they all have a lot of depth and i find myself by i, I find myself buying into and getting excited about like the mythology of the show and there's a reveal early on of, you know about the nature of a character in this and, in the second exactly half of the show which one you're talking about and because i think that character and I, I know we didn't want to get too much into specifics because we'll we'll do an episode and we'll review it and we'll be spoilery but there's a character who i liked in the first half who i think has been the best thing about the second half um and because I, I actually kind of think in some ways some of the other characters and even to an extent arthur and the tick have been a little underserved in the second half of the season but it's been because of an increased focus on other characters and this other character who i assume is the same one you're talking about i've really liked what they've done with with him (laughs) i'm um i I, i'm gonna re so i kind of watched the second half of the show in one extended batch um, earlier today as I was doing some work um, so I, I I do want to go back and re-watch it because I also found that watching the first half of the show I, I, I appreciated a lot more of that by watching it for a second time around um, but I, I, I think I think that by the end of the show I didn't feel like the Tick and Arthur had been under certainly not Arthur I think the Tick works great as this second secondary mm. character uh, this foil. I mean there's a there's a running joke from about halfway through the second half of the season that again I haven't seen the last two episodes so I don't know if it carries into the last two but it's been going for about two or three episodes at the point where I've been watching and it is so funny it's to do with where he thinks he's figured out his origin yeah and like every moment that that relates to that is he's it's seraphim which is just so so funny it's brilliant yeah, no, uh, that that does continue, and and that's something that's something that they always had fun with in the original Tick sitcom as well. Like, oh, okay. that that the Tick has come from, well, who knows where and what yeah. is his origin, and him kind of like flitting between having an interest in it and not. Uh, but I think Serafinowicz plays it as he did in aspects of the first half of the season with kind of um, real humor and then like some great pathos as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I 
loved this back half of the show. And, and as I said, uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to read verbatim a tweet that I sent out earlier because I stand by it. Um, there is a purity to the heroism on the tick that makes my heart grow three sizes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think it is incredible that a show is able to have those moments like at the first half at the well, end of the, the first that, half of the season bus scene wasn't it the bus know? scene yes which yeah. and and i think the i think the finale of this um outdoes that um okay in that <laughs> there were just to that then there were just i just tomorrow <laughs> i just think there are moments where you see characters displaying that heroism and it feels like you know, what pure superhero stories do at their best. Mm. Um, and I, and that's an even bigger achievement when you are kind of like ripping up the genre and and having a little bit of fun with it at the same time. Well, this is, this all comes back to, I'm sure when we talked about season one, I will have compared it to the Giffen and Dematis Justice League um, because that really is what it feels the closest to in that, Yes, it's a comedy at heart, and yes, to an extent, it's skewering some of the cliches of the genre. But the reason why it works is that it, it lets you laugh at that stuff, but it is absolutely sincere in the story that it's telling and the heroism that's at the centre of it. And that's why the Giffen and Dematis Justice League is so good, and that's why the tick is so good. Yeah. I, I said to you um, before we started the podcast... I find the villains on this legitimately scary because I, from word go on the show, the stakes were very clearly um, showed. You know, we had in the first episode of the show a flashback to the like Fantastic Four stand-ins on this show having their eyes eaten out by a syphilis virus, then shot and killed while while a young boy watched. Um, and to add to that, his dad had just been crushed to death. So you know, th- those are the those are the stakes on the show for the superheroes and and for the regular people. Um, and yeah, I, I I I the terror and Miss Lynn, I found, and even some of the heroes utterly terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I'm looking forward to going back and rewatching this. Um, it, I think it speaks volumes that in the era we're in where there is so much superhero television that I can find the time to watch this show twice. <laughs> well, it helps that the episodes are only 20 odd minutes long, <laughs> but, but still, I mean, 12, 20 minute episodes. It's still, it's, it still took like four hours out of my day today. <laughs> um, and it was great. Um, okay. So that's it for, for this week's uh, news. We're going to potentially talk some comics on a future podcast once we've eked out exactly what's going on over at Marvel. So we'll save comics corner for a future week. We'll let week. Marvel figure out what they're doing. Yeah. First. We'll let Marvel figure it out and then we'll try and figure it out after that. Um, so we'll move on to our final section, which is the pitch. Um, Obviously, last week we had James and Amon on the pod- on the podcast. Um, not Seb, but Seb, you have worked up. You've seen Black Panther, so you have mm-hmm. worked up an answer for the pitch. I've got my own answer as well this week. So I thought what we'll do is we'll read out our two pitches now. And then what we'll probably do is we will get James to pick the winner on the next episode. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get in touch with Amon to get his pitch from him in time for this mini-sode. Maybe we'll be able to uh, salvage it for a future episode, because I still do desperately want to hear it. But yeah, unfortunately, we don't have that to play here. Um, but So it's going to be me versus Seb, and James will decide the winner at a later date. Um, so Seb, do you want to go first, or shall I go first for our pitch this week? 
I don't think you can go first. You're only really allowed to go after other people have gone. Yeah. Okay. You you can you can uh, you can lay the table. What uh, I should remind our listeners of what the pitch is. Um, what would be your ideal Black Panther spin-off movie to be made alongside Black Panther two in Phase four of the MCU? Well, I can't be alone in in having seen the potential of um, the film having left Shuri in uh, Los Angeles at the, at the end. Yeah. Um, so. I, I would like to see a spin-off film that is that is focused on her kind of finding her way in America and you know kind of growing up as a as a teenager in America. Uh, is Na- it, is Nakia there with her? I'm not sure. I think she. I think it might be Shuri and Nakia who are left who are left in Oakland. So okay. Well, so so this show would be called um, uh, Shuri Explains It All. Uh, wow. And wow. Be, uh, Shuri would would address the audience directly to describe the things that are happening her, in her life, dealing with typical adolescent concerns such as school, boys, and high tech weaponry. Um, I it's a, I almost think that she should actually um, take on a kind of secret civilian identity um, named after the actress who plays her, so that actually it could be called Letitia Explains It All, which would rhyme better. Uh, <laughs> But, and Someone has been thinking way too much about Melissa Joan Hart this week. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't intentional to have two direct references, but there you go. Um, and uh, I think every episode should have a cameo from a different existing MCU character um, because that would be really funny. I, ju- I just want to see that character meeting literally every other existing character in the MCU to see how they'd get on. Uh, I like how you. I like how you're taking that over to the small screen. <laughs> Just to try and eke out as much from this format as you can. Yes. Well, you, I mean, it, it could be a movie, but it, it would be weird to do a, a parody of Clarissa Explains It All as a big screen movie. That's true. Event. Some, some would say, Seb, it would be strange to do a parody of Clarissa Explains It All, full stop. <laughs> if, if they say that, I don't want to know them. <laughs> okay. Um, so so I'll, uh, I'll give you my pitch now. Um, Seb, we're starting at a similar place, but we're moving on in in very different directions. Uh, my pitch it, uh, features Shuri heavily, um, and it starts in that Oakland outreach centre that we see at the end of Black Panther. Um, but mine would be a movie, and it would be called Iron Man 4. So here's what happens. Shuri, in this outreach centre, uh, discovers a really bright girl called Riri Williams, and kind of takes her under her wing, mentors her, and because Tony Stark is dead in the MCU at this point, the world needs a new Iron Man. They build this awesome new Iron Man tech. Shuri, uh, Shuri essentially becomes the voice in the suit, can kind of like step into it virtually and help her pilot it sometimes. But otherwise, it's Riri in the suit being the new Iron Man. That's a good pitch, right? It is. I just wonder why you've... Uh... What you've done is you've taken a character from from Black Panther and you've decided to lessen their role in the spin-off by introducing another character. No, I no, it's no, they're they're co-leads. Mm, didn't sound like it. They're it co-leads. Like it was more Riri's show, to be honest. So well, like you just wanted to sneak in that that Iron Man, that new Iron Man movie. It's just you're just going back to the old ways. You're just like Marvel with with their resets. So just going back to the old characters. I think you use in whatever way you can. The Black Panther characters to relaunch every single corner of the MCU. So why don't you just put Mbaku, three in an um, Iron Man costume then? Mbaku is the new Captain Wakanda, <laughs> and that replaces Captain America. I've 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 got loads of and these. Now, if you'd said that, I'd have gone with you. 
but <laughs> <laughs> okay so we'll have to wait to see who james picks on the start of the next episode so that is it for this week uh don't forget that the next episode of the show will be on superman 3 oh i'm very excited i have some hot takes about superman 3 <laughs> Um, Seb, did you see? Uh, you might not have seen this. Uh, James and I uh, filled out the next couple of weeks on the on the uh, doc for what we're going to cover on the next few episodes. Yes, I did see that. I was like, "Oh, who's been filling out the document and getting date formats slightly wrong?" Uh, but <laughs> well, yes. we we decided. Uh, we so Superman three was your pick. Um, one of the next, I think the the week after that is James's pick. Then it's my pick, and then we get to Avengers Infinity War. Um, yeah, James has picked. Oh, is it? Hang on, is this bit for to go on the podcast? It's to go on the podcast, so it's still okay, a secret. I won't say what. I saw James's pick, and I was like, "Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> what, have, what have I done to deserve this?" And my pick might be worse. <laughs> it's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be a very fun couple of months on Cinematic Universe. I'm looking forward to getting to all those films. Uh, but yeah, Superman three next week. Uh, Seb ha- Seb is lining up the hot takes as we speak. Um, if you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on, uh, I'll, I'll say it again, iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe. We've got some bonus episodes coming to uh, Patreon soon. Uh, so yes, I was supposed to have recorded one on Friday, but um, my my co-presenter on that one, his internet uh, was not working on Friday. So expect that uh, maybe in a week or two. Yeah, J- James. Bonus. James is working on one. I'm working on one. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be fantastic. So if you want to hear those, uh, back is on Patreon. Um, and if you do that, we'll probably hit even more goals and produce even more content for you. So that's very exciting. We're gonna have to do another commentary again soon as well, aren't we, Seb? Yeah. What's it gonna be on? I don't know. We get maybe Guardians we can, of the Galaxy. Maybe we can go back and do the Avengers again, but actually record <laughs> actually record it properly this time. <laughs> it's been long enough that maybe we can manage it. <laughs> I, th- I I think when we get, I think because I think we need to get together to watch Infinity War, and I think maybe the night before uh, we should <laughs> we should watch Avengers again and do yeah. commentary again. Or we do, or we'll do an Age of Ultron live commentary. <sighs> nobody wants that, and I, I I say that somebody likes Age of Ultron, but nobody wants that. Amon wants that. Yeah. Amon can join us. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you can find more episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com. Uh, you can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter, at cine underscore verse, or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.